Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. So we're going to be looking at a uh, another teaching of Jesus, a parable about the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're talking about in our series right now, the kingdom of heaven. And we've been saying this every week that um, it is the whole, I mean, it is the whole storyline of the Bible. And we're going to look at that this morning. It was the primary thrust of Jesus' teaching. He was teaching about the kingdom. When you fast forward into um, the, the, the early church and the apostles and, and those that were kind of the diaspora that were spreading the gospel, they're preaching about the kingdom of God over and over again. We see this phrase, and so I think it's important for us to understand what does it mean. And we're, um, we, we've been talking about the priority of the kingdom, then the patiently permeating kingdom, the priceless kingdom. Last week, Jason did a fantastic job with the keys of the kingdom. And today, I want to talk about the coming kingdom, the coming kingdom. And, and I'm just going to warn you that this parable that we're going to read is a little bit intense, it's like a pinball machine of all the hot, offensive topics for Western ears, okay? And Jesus just launches it out there, and it's like, ding, 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 ding. It's like literally hits every single one of them, okay? And, and so it's, it's, it's intense, and it's intense for us as people who live in a pluralistic society who kind of are, are taught that these things are kind of not really true, Okay? So, so this is an intense uh, thing. I'm not going to do a bunch of like pastor mumbo jumbo. I, I literally want us to just see what does Jesus say about the kingdom that's coming. And, and we're just going to draw it out. We're going to see what he says. And then we're going to ask ourselves this question, do I really believe this? Okay? To sort of prepare us for the intensity I want to play a, a short game, very short game. I, I'm going to put two pictures up on the screen, and I just want you to tell me which one would you prefer, like which would you rather have. And um, I, I'm looking for a, a young one in the room. Uh, my son Will. He's like, Dad, come on, please don't point me out. I'm sorry, buddy. You're just like you're the young one. So I, I, I'm going to put up. I'm going to put up a. Two pictures, uh, number one or number two, and then I just hold up in the air like what number you think would you would prefer? Which would you rather have? Okay, so let's just look at the first one. Okay, this is a picture of uh, a common thing that we see around here. This is at South uh, Padre Island, and you can see there's a road that ends, and there's there's big you know tape and and reflectors and signs, and it's like end. Of road. Okay, it's very, very clear. So that's option number one. And option number two is this. Let's, let's go to the next picture. That right there. Driving your family in your, in your family SUV into an abyss, okay? A, a, a sinkhole in the road. Now, which would you rather, rather have, number one or number Number one. Okay, way to go. Let's give them a hand. 
yeah. But you're, you know, you're a minor. Your prefrontal cortex is not fully formed yet. Okay, so that's something we have to factor in. So I, I think we need to have an adult, uh, Herman. You're how old? How old are you? Are you over twenty-five yet? Barely. So that means your prefrontal cortex has now fully formed. <laughs> Praise God. And um, if if you could just let me know by a show of hands, like number one, number two, like which would you rather have, number one or number two? Number one. Okay. Thank you, Herman. Thank you. That's good. Awesome. Yeah. That was that. You guys. Come on, Herm, Herman. It, it's his, he's fully formed up there, okay? So that's, that's good. But you're a dude, okay? You're a guy. You're a bro. And females think differently than guys, right? Because men are from Mars and women are from Venus. So we, we think different. So can I have like a female over here that just maybe somebody that would just be willing to hold a hand up in the air? Uh, somebody over here, just a female. But you have to be a female that's over 25 and whose prefrontal cortex is fully formed. Is there anybody over here? Just raise your hand for me that would want to... No one. No one yet? Somebody, be brave. Be brave. Be brave. Betsy, thank you. Okay, now just tell us from a female perspective, which would you rather have? Clearly marked or you're going to drive into a hole? Just, just curious. Number one. Okay, awesome. So we all agree we would rather have a clearly marked end of road versus driving into a hole. Amen? Good? Matthew chapter 13. If you have a copy of the scriptures, go there with me. If you have a device that you read the scriptures on, go there with me. Matthew 13. I want to read this teaching of Jesus, and he's going to say the kingdom of heaven is like, or it's compared to, okay? And he's going to give us some strong words, but here's, here's the beauty of this parable, is that it's one of those that he, dis, he, he goes to the disciples after the fact, and he tells them what it means, Okay, so we have like the Cliff's Notes. Is Cliff Notes still a thing, young people? Cliff's Notes? No, you've never heard of that. Cool. I'm the old guy. Okay, verse 24 of Matthew chapter 13. He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat, and left. When the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. The landowner's servants came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So do you want us to go and pull them up? The servants asked him. No, he said, when you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but collect the wheat in my barn. We're going to fast forward to verse 36. Then he left the crowds and he went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He replied, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed, these are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. 
The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Verse 41, the son of man will send out his angels and they will gather from his kingdom all who cause sin and those guilty of lawlessness. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Let anyone who has ears hear. This is the word of the Lord. So Jesus just crossed almost every line that our culture would be like, eh, no, don't talk about that. And in fact, I, I think that there's, there's a growing, just, it's not even overt, just a sense in us that we should not talk about, we shouldn't even preach about the kinds of things that Jesus declares. But as I was walking through all the, the kingdom of heaven is like teachings, this theme kept coming up over and over and over again. In fact, this was the, the most common theme of Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of heaven. And what I believe he's doing is that he's putting a big, clearly marked thing out there that says, end of road, prepare. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming. And um, we live in a world that is filled with competing narratives, competing versions of reality. There's, there's a story war going on. And one of those stories is that human beings are evolving and we're getting smarter and better and we're going to triumph over all the evil and pollution and, you know, dictators and like, we're going to turn this thing around and it's going to be awesome someday. And all this religious stuff is like, you know, if, that's, if that works for you, if that makes you feel better about life, then go for it. But it's not real. But Jesus just gave us a very clear picture of reality. In fact, it's the first thing that I think we need to understand about what Jesus is saying is that the coming kingdom grounds us in reality. It grounds us in reality. Again, no, no pastor like mumbo jumbo, like just look at what Jesus said. He, he talks about the, the realities. In fact, I, I almost called this the reality of the coming kingdom because this parable and his explanation of the parable are packed with realities. And I just want us to just kind of unpack those and just make sure we see them all. The, the first is the reality that both good and evil are active in the world. There are wheat and there are tares. And this is what Jesus is, you know, he's, he's explained to them, look, there's good and evil that are active in the world. And I think that um, when, like Jason was talking about, when we go through hardship, when we go through struggle, when we, when we see bad things happen, when we see uh, Christian leaders fall, when we see wars, or when we see uh, terrible tragedies, all of a sudden, our theology gets super simplistic, and we're like, there's like God, and then there's just stuff. 
people in, in life events. And whenever things go bad or there's evil, everyone's like, how could God let this happen? And Jesus is saying, look, no, no, no. Both good and evil are active in the world. There's God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's the whole order of angelic beings that serve him. And there's an evil one and a whole order of demonic fallen beings that are at work in the world right now, in this moment, maybe even in this room. There is stuff going on that we don't even see or know. And Jesus says, look, both of these are happening right now. Good and evil are active in the world. There's another reality where he says that there are two types of people. And he explains to them, look, um, the, the good you know, wheat that's growing, these are the children of the kingdom. But the weeds, these are the children of the evil one. Now, when you were in school, did you guys ever learn about binary code? Right? Did y'all do that? Where, where <laughs> I love it. Some of you are like, no. Not at my school. Okay, so in binary code, everything is a combination of ones and zeros. Okay? One or zero. That's, it's, it's, that's all it is. One, zero, one, zero, one, zero. And so everything is a combination of a one or a zero. And Jesus is, is giving us this understanding of reality that's, that's like binary. It's it's, it's a one or a zero. It's, it's an either or it's an or. And I think I have a, a, a picture of this, of how we think about good and evil and, and, and how you know, we think about good and evil people. And I don't, guys, can, can you go to that next slide for me? There's, there's kind of this spectrum that we think of and there's the good, which is like Mother Teresa, right? Everyone's like, we love Mother Teresa. She's amazing. She's the best person ever, right? And, and then we have evil. We have Hitler. He was like the, the and, and, and we, we think of good and evil as a spectrum and there's all these little sort of like points in the middle. In fact, if you go to the next slide, we, we kind of live in the rest of this zone somewhere, the mushy middle, right? I'm not Hitler. Praise God. <laughs> I'm not Mother Teresa. I'm somewhere in this middle. And if I'm closer to Mother Teresa, I'm doing better. And if I'm, if I'm closer to Hitler, oh gosh, you know, like that's worse. And, and somewhere the line between heaven and hell is kind of like, eh, where is it? I'm trying to do better. And there's this human understanding, even theologically, if you know, like, that's not true, but there's still something in us that, like, battles this. This is not what Jesus is teaching at all. At all. And I know you don't believe me yet. There's two types of people. There's children of the kingdom or there's children of the evil. And so I just want to show you something, an interaction that Jesus has with the Jews, who, by the way, were the people of God, the chosen nation. And these people were believing Jesus as, as he's ministering. And he has this interaction in John 8, in, in verse 42 through 44. It says, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I'm here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father. What, what does he say? The devil. Now, this is not a great strategy for building a ministry, Jesus. 
Okay, these people are following you around and you're having this interaction of like, you're of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he's a liar and the father of lies. Whoa. Hard words, Jesus. And he draws a line of like, look, you guys, the the Jews, they would have been on the Mother Teresa side of the spectrum, okay? And Jesus says, look, you can't hear what I'm saying because you're of your your father, the devil, what? There's another passage from Colossians 1, 13 and 14, and And Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes this, and he says, the Father has rescued us from the what? The domain of darkness, which would almost be like kingdom of darkness. It's a dominion, and he's transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so he's saying, look, like everyone who does not love me, is, is a child of the evil one. And we hear that and we're like, that's really offensive. I know. But Jesus is drawing a line for us to say, here's, here's, here's the, the reality is that there are two types of people. And by the way, another kingdom teaching, you remember Jesus and Nicodemus from John chapter three. And Jesus tells him, Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. How are children brought into the world? Any moms want to tell us how children are brought into the world? They're born, right? Children are born into the world. And Jesus is saying, look, there's, there's two types of people, children of of the kingdom, children of the evil one, and, and to come to become a children, a child of the kingdom, you have to be born again. That's a reality. And again, that's one that is like super offensive. He, he lays out another reality, that there are two final destinies. Did you see that in Jesus's words? He calls it this, a blazing furnace or shining like the sun in the Father's kingdom. Here are the two destinies for two types of people, and it's the reality of our situation. And I know that there are lots of pastors and authors and thinkers and scholars and theologians who would just like to erase that part and be like, oh, no, that's super harsh, man. Like, don't say the hell part. Don't be all fire and brimstone. Like, don't do that. But it's like Jesus lays out a reality for us of two destinies. And he's not talking about a spectrum of like, you know, there's the people that like are like have a better spot and like, you know, they're closer to Mother Teresa. And then there's like worst part, you know, it's like, no, it's like, these are just two final destinies. No spectrum. One, zero, either, or. And lastly, it's the reality that there's an end of this age that is coming which means that technology isn't going to triumph 
over all human evils. That's not the story. That's not the narrative. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away, which means a lot of things for us, right? It means a lot of things. Like, for example, I, I'm, you know, Casey and I, we're, we're in the midst of like trying to figure out how to fix some things in our house. And, and do you ever get frustrated with stuff breaking in your house? And you're like, you know what? Things of this earth are passing away, right? Like, burn it down and we'll, we'll just move on, right? You know, it's like, there, there are times when we, we put so much, you know, effort and energy into our things to keep them going. And, and the reality is like, all these things are temporary. That's hard to hear, right? You're like, man, how much would you just spend on our house? <laughs> and it's temporary? Don't worry. The money that you spend on it is temporary too. So you can feel better about that which I don't think this means that we shouldn't buy a house or, or have things or mow the grass or fix broken stuff, right? Or, or build buildings. It just means that we're not slaves to them, that we don't live for them and that we don't love the things of the world because those things are just, they're temporary. And that's the reality. It's the reality. It also means that this earthly life that you're living it's just the beginning. And sometimes life feels really short, and sometimes life feels really long. But whatever it feels like for you right now, it's just the beginning. I, I, um, I heard of this illustration that Francis Chan did. I thought it was really beautiful. He had this rope that he stretched from the stage like all the way out to the back of the building, and it went out of the sanctuary, right? And, and he had uh, taped a little piece of red tape on the end of the rope that was up here, and he said, now, just imagine this unending line. It's like, this is eternity. And, and all of your life now on earth is represented by this little piece of red tape on the end. And we get so caught up in this, and we start living for this little piece of red tape. But he's like, I just want you to remember that there's so much more beyond this. This is just the beginning. Just the beginning. It's the reality. So the coming kingdom, it, it grounds us in reality. The second thing, the coming king, kingdom issues a real warning. I don't think we can miss that from what Jesus is saying. Again, this was the most common theme. It's this theme of like, at the end, angels come and they separate good from evil, righteous from unrighteous. It, it, and it's like every reality check comes with a warning. If you've ever gone to the doctor and they said, look, got your labs back, got your images back, got your scans back, not good. If you don't change your lifestyle right now, like it's not gonna go well for you. Now, if you're like me and you're stubborn, you're like, if that's really true, right? I don't know, doc. I'm going to get a second opinion, right? <laughs> because that's how we are. But hopefully, when we have a, a reality check, 
there's like a newfound like uh, desire to get healthy and to eat better and to ex- like we just we have to listen to real warnings, real warnings. In verses forty one. In 42, Jesus says, the son of man will send out his angels and they will gather from his kingdom all who cause sin and those guilty of lawlessness. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says all who cause sin, that can also be translated as all things that cause sin, all things that cause sin, or all causes of sin, sin, that all that stuff's gonna be pushed out as the kingdom of God comes fully. And with that, it also means that all those that are guilty of lawlessness, those who have not been made righteous through Jesus are going to be removed from the kingdom. Those who do iniquity, in whose law were they breaking? The king's law. Repeatedly, Jesus teaches us that hell's it's a real place, a place of eternal torment. It's not an allegory. It's not a scare tactic. It's not being mean. He's putting bright orange reflective tape on the end of days, and he says, look, it's coming and I want you to know that it's coming because I don't want you to drive into a hole. Lastly, the coming kingdom gives us real hope. Let me say it again. The coming kingdom gives us real hope. And here's this verse 43, the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. <laughs> they, they will shine. It's going to happen. It's not maybe. Maybe, maybe we'll get there. No, we will shine like the sun in the Father's kingdom. And we hope for a day off. We hope for a vacation. We hope that we marry the right person. We, we, we hope for a raise. We hope for less difficulties in life. And all those things are temporary. And if you've had a great vacation, by like day five, you're kind of starting to plan what's next, right? Because it's like, it's fleeting, fleeting. And and Jesus talks about a real kingdom hope. It's our ultimate hope. Did you know that your ultimate hope, the ultimate hope of your life, is in the kingdom of God? Like, really, I mean that. The ultimate hope of your life is in the kingdom that's coming the kingdom that's coming. Romans 8, 18, we see this was so embedded in the the early church and their thinking. And Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Where's the glory going to be revealed? What's he talking about? Is it on the vacation that Paul's been hoping for? Is it, you know, is it his retirement plan? No, the glory was the, the kingdom of God is coming. It's coming. 
And whatever you go through, it's not even worth comparing to what's going to happen. It's real hope. <laughs> he goes on to say that creation itself is longing. It's just longing. Like the earth itself is in, in the labor pains. It's just longing for the sons of God to be revealed, for the kingdom to come. The earth itself is just waiting. But how will the righteous shine like the sun? When you, you probably know this, none are righteous. No, not even one. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. How? What, what will keep us from the wrath of the king? It can only be the personal saving work of the one who bore God's wrath on the cross for us. That's, that's your only hope for the kingdom coming. It's not the scale. Am I more like Mother Teresa or Hitler? The hope has to be that someone stood in my place on a Roman cross and took all the sins of my life and all the other people that are going to come into the kingdom, he took them on himself and bore them in his body on a tree. He paid the full penalty for you and for me. And when we understand the coming kingdom, what gets bigger in our minds is the cross of Jesus. We're like, holy smokes, the only way I could ever get to there has to be through this cross. And your life must pass through that cross. And each one of us, it is a personal saving work. We must turn to Christ and receive the great forgiveness that he's already paid for. He's already done it for us. And we receive it by faith. And when you do, or if you have, you have real hope for a kingdom that's coming. So let's just ask ourselves a few questions based on what we read from Jesus, okay? First one is this. Do I really believe what Jesus says about the kingdom? like in all the narratives that are coming into your ears and brain from all the shows and videos and books and whatever, you know, the world that we live in, the water we swim in. Like, what are you buying? What are you buying? Like what, what version of reality are you really living from? Do I believe what Jesus says about the coming kingdom? The second question do I live like this is reality? Or am I living in a fantasy? Because fantasies that disregard this reality turn into tragedies. So we must live. We must live from an ultimate reality. The third thing, whose child am I? That's a question for us. Two types of people in the world. Children of the kingdom. Children of the evil one. Whose child am I? 
we can, we can narrow that question down as like, do I love Jesus? Bottom line. Do I love him? Lastly, is my hope really set on Christ and the coming kingdom? Because that, that really could be a game changer for you. And here's what I mean. This would be if, if whose child am I is a salvation step, putting my hope in the coming kingdom is like a freedom step. Does that make sense? Because all the metrics of the world that you probably have like going on in your head, you're like, oh, I'm not sure I measure up to whatever thing is out there. Am I, you know, am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I man enough? Am I you know, beautiful enough? Am I whatever enough? It's like when, when you realize that none of that matters in the kingdom anymore because Jesus has paid it all and he's our sufficiency and he's everything and my hope isn't even in here and what you people think about me and my hope is there, all of a sudden I get really, really free. When my hope is not in my stuff, right, and accumulating more things, then my stuff is just like, yeah, you want to use this? Cool. I, God gave it to me. You can have this. You need money? I have money. Here, let me help you. It's like I just, I, I'm free. I'm free because my hope's there. It's not here. Amen? So good. It's so good. It's liberty. It sounds harsh, but it's freeing. It's reality. So let me close with this. I'm going to read some passages. Just listen to these words. This is from Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity. Wow. And he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, right, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it's done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things. I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowards, the faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. 
the kingdom is coming. God, in his great mercy, has put big, bright, orange reflective tape. He's put barricades up. He taught over and over and over again. The most common theme about the kingdom of heaven was like, look, it's coming. Get ready. And may you live in reality. May you be so sure of Christ's work that you can look at the kingdom coming with hope and with joy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.